0: It is good to be in the house of the Lord. What do you say? Amen. 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 It's good to be with you and your church family on this Sabbath morning. I'm grateful that today is the Lord's Day. What do you say? Amen. 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 I want to take a quick moment to thank your first elder, Elder Mark Brazel, for his outstanding leadership and for bridging the gap during this special time in your church's history Um, I'm grateful to have worked beside him in the Youth Ministry Federation for Motor City. He's an outstanding leader and a mighty man of God. Can we thank God for your first elder? And we thank God for the entire team of elders who have stood in the gap to help lead the church and keep the church moving forward. What do you say? I want to say a very special thank you to my friend, Elder Debbie Young. She's an outstanding leader. Uh, She has not just rendered her gifts to your church family as an elder, but she has rendered her many gifts to our conference. And we thank you for your many years of leadership and service to the conference at large. And you are truly a leader because a leader doesn't just lead when they have a title. They lead because they want to serve. And your heart has truly been with ASI Ministries. I want to say, not only are you with ASI Ministries, I believe ASI Ministries is with you. Because I believe she wakes up and she thinks about ASI and she goes to sleep thinking about ASI. She doesn't just render her gifts to our conference but to our union at large. And I thank you for being an outstanding leader. Amen. 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 Your church has a long legacy. Your church is respected and well-known across our conference not just because of the many gifts that you guys render that help keep it that helps to keep ministry moving forward, but your church is the church that is known throughout our conference and well respected. And we thank you for being an outstanding church family. There are seasons in church's history where sometimes when a pastor is not present, members dwindle. Amen? And how many of y'all know that the church is God's church with or without a pastor every Sabbath? Amen? The church is not centered around us pastors. It is centered around God's mission and outstanding members because the work of God continues to march on. And I want to say a very special thank you to your church members who continue to be faithful, who don't hide away and shy away and look at other places, but who are grounded in Ipsy Church, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in being faithful with your presence, your gifts, your tithe and offering, and your attendance. What do you say? Amen. 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 This morning, I want to bring you guys greetings on behalf of someone who you guys know very well. He is my leader. He is our friend. He is our president, Elder Garth Gabriel. He sends his greetings and his love. He wanted to be here on this Sabbath morning, but today he is spending time with family. Amen. Today he's out of state spending time with family, and he sends his greetings and his love. I bring you greetings on behalf of the rest of the team, our treasurer, Elder Kent Nichols, as well as our vice president for multi-ethnic ministries, Elder Allen, and our ministerial director, Elder Elliot. That was a mouthful. Amen? Now I came to hear a word from the Lord. What do you say? Amen? And if you came to hear a word from the Lord, I'm going to invite you to join me as we look at a familiar text that we read a few moments ago, and we hear what God has to say for us during this season and on this Sabbath, amen? We're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 38, and we're going to start from verse 2, and then we're going to hop around if that's all right. I want to say a very special thank you to the praise team. Y'all did an outstanding job. I leaned over to Elder Brazil, and I said, are they related in any type of way? I have a secret. I got something in common with you guys. I am an identical twin. Seriously, I am. And I'm the better-looking half, and I can say that because he's not here. Y'all say amen. Say amen again. Amen. I'm 8 minutes older and I remind him that's the difference between life and death. He better respect it. Amen. He lives in Brooklyn, New York. All right? And so I am an identical twin. His name is Andrew and my first name is Abraham. Amen. All right. And thank you to our awesome musician. We thank God for you and the entire team. Y'all sound good. I said, man, I got text out of the gate man telling man, y'all can stop looking for a pastor. <laughs> You all are warm and friendly, and this is an amazing church. Amen. Any pastor who gets this church is going to be blessed. And we thank God for Pastor Liverpool, Dr. Liverpool, and his many years of service, a mighty, mighty man of valor and faith and outstanding leadership. Amen. His, leg- his legacy will live long throughout our conference. Amen. All right. Jeremiah chapter 38. Are we there? All right. Do y'all mind if we stretch for just a second? Is that okay? Okay. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? I won't make y'all stand long, I promise. I promise. Jeremiah chapter 38 and verse 2. Here's what it says. It says, this is what the Lord says. This is what who says? This is what the Lord says. Whoever stays in the city will die by the what? By the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes over to the Babylonians will live. They will escape with their lives. They will live. Verse 5 says... He is in your hand, King Zedekiah answered. The king can do nothing to oppose you. So they took Jeremiah and put him into the cistern of Malchijah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guardhouse. And they lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. But Abedmelech, what's his name? But Abedmelech, a Cushite. An official of the royal palace heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern while the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate. My lord, the king, these men have acted wickedly in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet. They have thrown him into the cistern, and he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. Then the king commanded the bedmelech the Cushite, take 30 men. How many men? Y'all remember that. Say that one more time. How many men? Take 30 men from here with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Abedmelech took the men with him and went to the room under the treasury in the palace. He took some old rags. What kind of rags? rags. He took some old rags and worn out clothes from there. And he let them down with the ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Abedmelech the Cushite said to Jeremiah, listen to what he said. He said, put these old rags and worn out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so, and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. Listen to how this verse ends. It says, and Jeremiah, what's his name? Say his name one more time. And Jeremiah remains. That's a powerful word for somebody today. He didn't waver. He didn't linger. He wasn't there for a season. But the Bible says he remained. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Remained." He remained in the courtyard of the guardhouse. I want to preach for the next few moments on the message entitled, Old Rags But New Purpose. Old Rags But New Purpose. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for the next few moments. God, if I were to organize a brief message by myself, they would leave here empty. But Father, we thank you for being in our midst. Not just being in our midst, but that, Father, we thank you that you've been in our midst all week long. You were in our midst throughout this week, being at work from 7 to 3, 8 to 4, and 9 to 5. God, thank you for being in our households and in our families. God, thank you for being with our vehicles, because without you, we would be subject to accidents. Father, thank you for being with our health. Thank you for being with our marriage and our children. Thank you for being with our coming and our going. We take your presence not for granted this morning. And Father, today as you speak a word, we pray not for a generic word but a custom-made word for every single one of us. Come by us, sweet Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray, let God's children say the words, amen. amen. You may be seated in God's presence. If I could give you the historical context of this text, I will tell you that two nations are at war, Pastor Wilder. Two nations, one is the nation of Israel, And the other is the nation of Babylon. And they've been at war now for a very long time. For some years and some months, they have launched attacks back and forth, but Israel has something powerful with them. Not only do they have powerful tanks and powerful generals, not only do they have special strategies and awesome leaders, not only do they have former war veterans who can help to give them some wisdom and mentorship, on how to proceed forward with tomorrow's attacks. Not only do they have specialized food that would help to replenish the soldiers day to day, but they've got something special in their midst. They have a man of God with them. And I believe that there still is something powerful when men and women of God can be dispatched to arenas of the world and make a difference. I still believe that there are special things that happen. When a Seventh-day Adventist Christian goes into a secular workplace that maybe is under the confinements of worldly influences. But there is still something special when a Seventh-day Adventist Christian enters the workplace from 7 to 3, 8 to 4, 9 to 5. When they pray in their cubicle. When they can turn the pages of the Sabbath school lesson long before they start their shift. Because I believe that the presence of God's children still makes a difference. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. I still believe that the presence of God still makes a difference when there are boys and girls and young people who can step into secular and private and even Seventh-day Adventist schools, and they are not like everybody else, but they are different. They are peculiar. They are special. There's something about when they wake up early in the morning and they are clothed in the fabric of God's anointing and God's blessings because they didn't wake up like everybody else. they crawled out to their knees and they said God thank you for being with me God thank you for giving me my daily bread and I'm not gonna leave like everybody else but there's a special meal and I'm not talking about oatmeal with some flax seeds and brown sugar But I'm talking about parents who have laid their hands on their children by the door before they leave the house and ask God to continue to be with them throughout the day. I still believe there's a difference when Seventh-day Adventist young people can step into worldly realms and be the difference maker. I still believe that our highways are girded with stability, not because of the faithfulness of the Michigan Department of Transportation, but because there are Christians who still drive, like, y'all, help me somebody. I still struggle sometimes, but every now and then there are still Christians who travel along the highways of Michigan, and who can be God's representatives. I can't tell you enough that just maybe the reason why you are where you are in the neighborhood that you live in, the job that you have, the school that you attend, not because God forgot about you or God doesn't like you. Maybe it's because God sent you to where you are because God trusts you to be the difference maker. And so here is Jeremiah. Israel's army is at war, and Jeremiah has a word from the Lord. Jeremiah doesn't just have a few Christian facts. Jeremiah doesn't just have a few fancy quotes. Jeremiah doesn't just have a new devotional book that is printed at the onset of December and handed to an individual in January to start the new year off with. Jeremiah truly has a word from the Lord. And you get a word from the Lord by spending time with the Lord. Jeremiah has been on his face for a while and Jeremiah is uncomfortable because it's one thing to share a word from the Lord that people like. People like to hear that they're going to be rich tomorrow. People like to hear that things are going to work out in their marriage. People like to hear that their best days are in front of them and that their worst days are behind them. People like to hear that they're going to have a new house and a new car and some fancy Gucci shoes. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. People like to hear that they're going to get A's on their transcript and they're going to walk across the graduation stage. People like to hear they're going to transfer from a Honda to a Lexus. Do I have a witness in this place? But every now and then, there are some messages that come from God that don't always sit comfortable with people every now and then there are some words that not everybody favors and not everybody welcomes but Jeremiah understands that Jeremiah cannot cherry-pick with the word of God Jeremiah can't just take the comfortable portions of God's word and share that, but Jeremiah understands the sacred, special, and significant responsibility of being a minister of the gospel, and that means sharing God's word unadulterated and untampered in its entirety. And I still believe in 2023 that God doesn't have a prosperity message, but I believe that God has a special message for god's world through the seventh day adventist church and coming out of a pandemic we can't look like every other church did y'all hear me And I know that we stand in the midst of 2023 and we want to increase our views and we want to broaden our viewership. And and I love that because we, we ought to expand our view. We ought to reach every nation. We ought to come across every single living room in our community. But one thing we ought not do is ever compromise the message that God has given this church. The Seventh-day Adventist church has always been a unique church and a special church and a set-apart church. And in 2023, I still believe we are still God's remnant church. Do I have a witness in this place? Oh, y'all didn't know what I was going to preach today. So here is Jeremiah. Jeremiah is preaching a word that they don't like. Jeremiah is telling the people previously, Jeremiah has encouraged Israel to fight Babylon. But this time, God switches up on them. God tells Jeremiah, Israel ought not battle with Babylon. But if they're going to live, they're going to have to submit to the situation. In that sense, they're going to have to transition from being in the driver's seat To being a passenger. What that means is the strength and success of their battle is not gonna be by what they do, but it is gonna be by who God is. God is going to have to fight for them. And so here they are. God begins to fight for them. God tells Israel, God tells Israel, submit to the situation, submit to Babylon. What they fail to understand is even if they are in the hands of Babylon, that Babylon is still in the hands of God. Did y'all hear what I just said? We ought never worry about submitting to situations in life when God tells us because every situation is still in the hands of God. Did y'all hear what I just said? What am I telling you? I'm telling you that there are moments in life where sometimes, have y'all ever been in a situation where you knew that you were right? but you had to humble yourself. You knew you were the smarter person in the room. You knew you were more qualified. You knew you have been through this before and they are headed down a slippery slope. But just for the sake of peace, sometimes you just have to zip it up you got to shut that mouth. You got to turn around. You got to put the blindfold on and tell God, put the earplugs in. Y'all ever been in that situation? And you had to just let God speak for himself. Sometimes there were situations where I knew I was right. But for the sake of peace, for the sake of godliness, I had to say I was wrong. I had to be quiet. I had to, are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Because sometimes I learned, I had an a, a older Haitian woman tell me in New York, sometimes we upale twap. I said, sister, what does that mean? Though thought she was talking in tongues. She said, sometimes we talk too much. Sometimes we got to let God be God when we have exhausted our means. There is still someone who is giving us a direct line to heaven. And if we want to talk, we got to talk to God. Some- what am I telling us sometimes? You have raised your kids with the best you have. You have poured out everything you got, but you cannot be a shadow for your children when they leave your house. I'm, I'm giving somebody deliverance right now because you are blaming yourself. You are asking your question, man, what could I have done better? What school could I have sent them to? What clothes would I have gotten them? What mentor should I have? No, 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 no. You did your job. When your children leave your house, you can love on them, You can pray for them, but you cannot be their shadow because when they leave your house, they are still in the presence of living God and God is still with your children. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that there are certain things that will not depart from them, even when they depart from you or God's word. So sometimes you got to throw your hands up and let God be God. Sometimes I watch my mom's face with my siblings sometimes. She sees some things that they do. She sees some ways that they act that may not be. uh, 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 Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But my mom is a praying mom. And I remember seeing my mom early in the morning while she prepped breakfast, man. My mom's lips used to be moving. And I used to think that my mom had AirPods before AirPods ever existed. But you know what my mother was doing early in the morning? My mother was praying. There were days that I remember I used to wake up in the middle of the night. And I had a praying mother. What did I see in the middle of the night? Sometimes my mom was in my room. And my mom was praying over me and my brother, and she would have her hands over us. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? Why? Because my mom felt the need to cover us in prayer. There was not a day that we left the house. There was a time when I remember my stepfather would stand at the door, and even though we were late and we would miss the bus for school, my dad would rather us miss the bus for school and walk or run, are y'all hearing me, and catch the late bus than to leave the house uncovered by a devotional thought and a prayer. And boy, my dad used to pray. Sometimes I'm like, God, can you give us the Cliff Notes version? Can you shorten that just a little bit because I can hear the bus. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? But my dad felt the need to cover us. We even have Friday night youth programs at the church. And I remember I wanted to go so bad, but my dad made sure that we got devotion in the house with the family before we were. Y'all not listening to me, y'all. What I'm telling you is do your best with, God, with what God has given you And you got to leave the rest to God. Are you hearing me? Man, Jeremiah has done his best in this situation. And guess what? They were not happy with the word that came from God. They were so uncomfortable with the word that came from God that they felt that it was going to mess with the morale of the army. And in order to keep the word of God from the army, they had to get rid of the preacher. So the Bible says they took the preacher and they put him in something called a cistern. A cistern is an underground well. Before the time of plumbing and pipes and turning on the hot water and cold water and the in-between, there used to be a time. Before boilers and before instant water heaters, what used to happen is... Is there used to be rain that came in during certain seasons and they would dig a room called a cistern underneath and the water would trickle into the cistern so they had water easily accessible. But then there were dry seasons. There were seasons when it didn't rain as much. There were seasons where the crops would be dry and there would be no water underneath in the cistern and so there would just be wet mud or dirt. And so they place Jeremiah, the Bible says, underneath the guard house into a cistern and they shut the door never to remember Jeremiah again. Can I share with you something? I remember the first time I left for Oakwood, long before it was university, it was Oakwood College, and I remember leaving for the first time for Oakwood College. I was so excited as a 17-year-old male coming from the hood in Brooklyn, New York, and I was going to the School of the Prophets to become a preacher. And I remember how excited I was. I didn't have a car, but I had a friend in New Jersey, two friends who were leaving from New Jersey. So I took the New Jersey Transit late in the evening over to New Jersey to go and join my friends. Y'all listen to me. Y'all don't want to miss this story. And let me tell you something. When I got to New Jersey, I got with these two other people who were headed to Oakwood College, and we packed the car at night because they said the best time to leave for a 19-hour drive to Huntsville, Alabama was at night. Are y'all hearing me? The highways are clear, and the state troopers are asleep. Y'all say amen. And so we left around 9 o'clock at night. We packed the car, and I remember having stuff all over me as I sat in the back seat, and we started to drive. And I remember we drove for some time, and I remember eventually at a certain point in our journey, I remember the driver started nodding off and falling asleep. Have y'all ever driven at night and started to fall asleep? And let me say something, there are a few things you do when you start to fall asleep on a drive. Uh, sometimes the first thing you'll do is try to talk to other people in the car or on the phone. And, and then the next thing you'll do is you'll try to turn on some good music. And then the next thing you'll do is, is that you'll try to find, if you're a good 7 Adventist, a natural energy drink, all that other stuff. And now, oh, y'all help me out. And then the next thing that you'll try to do, if everything goes south, is you'll open one window or all the windows to kill. Do I have a witness in this place, y'all? Hello, somebody. And I remember this was back in the days of Kurt Carr. Y'all remember Kurt Carr? We lift our hands in the sanctuary. Y'all remember that? We were blasting CDs, and the CD thing was in the trunk. Y'all hear me, y'all? And we had one of them fancy CD players where you load the six CDs, you put it in the trunk. Y'all, do I have a witness in this place? They don't know about that, y'all. We didn't have Apple Music, y'all. And we loaded that thing into the trunk, and you would just play disc one. Are y'all hear me, y'all? And you skip over to your favorite track and pray that the CD wasn't scratched up. Hello, somebody. And I remember, man, we drove. And I remember at a certain point in our journey, when the driver was falling asleep, I told the driver, pull over. Now, the driver pulled over into a parking lot. And we thought we were going to get some sleep. But I was so excited to go to Oakwood College that I told the driver, I am wide awake. Why don't you jump into the back seat and let me take over and drive? And so the driver, I remember, got outside the driver's seat. And the driver went and took some clothes because we didn't have a pillow. Took some clothes and put it into a pillowcase. And wind up tying up the pillowcase and put it up against the window. And I remember I started to drive. And I waited to make sure that everybody fell asleep. I started praying, God, give us good gas prices. I said, God, give us the comfort of united first class. I said, God, I pray that you keep the state troopers away. And I put the pedal to the metal. When I tell you I drove, I drove, y'all. I drove and drove and drove and drove and drove. Y'all hear me, y'all? I was going to Oakwood College. And all I know is about 6 o'clock in the morning, the folks started waking up in the car, the two other people. And as I started to wake up in the car, I lowered the window because I know everybody's breath wasn't sanctified at that time. And I started to lower the window and everybody started waking up and everyone started talking like this in the car. And they started asking, Preacher, where are we? What state are we in? And I told them as I was looking, I said, well, I don't exactly remember, but I know we're on I-81. And they said, okay, well, we should be seeing something pretty soon. And I drove another 43 minutes. And then I saw a sign that said, Welcome to New Jersey. (laughs) Lord have mercy. This was in the days before we had ways. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? There was a time when we had to print directions. Y'all not hearing me, y'all. There was a time when we had to print directions on MapQuest or Google Maps and God forbid you made one wrong turn. That paper was worthless. I didn't realize that when we had gotten into West Virginia, I had jumped in the car and drove right back on 81, going right back where we came from. Man, them folk never even let me drive to Walmart three years later. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? Pastor, what are you trying to say to us? Man, there was a lesson even in that mess. The lesson is, is just because you're making movement doesn't always mean you're making progress. Sometimes we're doing a whole bunch of stuff and we're moving and we're happy and we're going along life's way. But here is what I want to tell you. It doesn't make sense to pursue success the world's way. We can't be just doing stuff, going through the routines of work and going through the routines of school and going through the routines of increasing our credit score and trying to up ourselves in life, but we are not accomplishing God's purpose for our lives. Let me tell us something God is not coming back for stuff or material possessions or houses and cars. Oh, y'all hear me? Or clothes. God is coming back for a ready people. God is telling us today in 2023 on this August Sabbath morning, will we be faithful to not just be moving, but making progress? Which means we're doing what God has called us to do. Don't be like me, y'all. And y'all can trust me in driving. We got ways now. Y'all say amen. And so here we are. I'm going to land this thing real quick. Jeremiah is in this cistern and he's going to be forgotten. The Bible says that not only is he in the cistern, but he's in the cistern during a time of famine. And the Bible says that there is no bread in the land, which means even if they go to get bread, the last person they're going to remember is the man who is not seen but forgot. Here's what I want to tell you. something. There is something special about being forgotten in life. That when other people forget who you are and what your purpose is, let me tell you something. God can never forget who you are and what he created you to do. So even if you feel like you are by yourself in the situations and circumstances of life, I want you to know that God remembers you. And you don't need anybody else to remember you when God remembers your name. The Bible says that there's a man named Abedmelech. What's his name, y'all? His name is Abedmelech. And the Bible says that he's an Ethiopian eunuch. In essence, his job is to serve the king. He's working in the king's palace. His job is to wait on the king. And let me tell you something. The Bible says that this man named Abedmelech approaches the king when he's in the sheep gate. Are y'all hearing me? Every single day, the king went to a place to judge trials. Are you all hearing me? He went to the courthouse to judge trials. And and let me say something. Not only was he in the location of the court, but the Bible says that he was in a seat where he has to issue mercy every day. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? Let me say something. When we serve the Lord, we don't just serve the Lord doing things our own way. But we have to be wise with how we serve God. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? Let me tell y'all something. I remember growing up with my mom. My mom used to say, I'm going to say it as it is. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? And I have come to understand that even in today, my mom says, you know what? When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I can't just say it as it is. But I've got to say it with wisdom and with tact. Are y'all hearing me? And with love and with compassion. Because it's not just about people getting a word. It's also equally as important as to how they receive God's word. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, y'all? So when we present God, we don't present God in a, in, a, in a way that's callous. Are y'all hearing me? And unfriendly. But we present the gospel of Jesus Christ in care, in love, in compassion, in wisdom, and with strategy. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so here, Abedmelech approaches the king, not during any time, but specifically when he's at the sheep gate. And here is what the Bible says. When he says to the king... He says, Jeremiah will die right where he is if we don't do something. The Bible says that the king tells Abedmelech to go and get 30 men under his rule. Let me pause for a second. This brother's name is not really Abedmelech. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even though the Bible says his name is Abedmelech, when you break down the Hebrew word Abed Abed-Melech, Abedmelech is not a name, it's a title. Abed-Melech is comprised of two Hebrew words, Abed and Melech. Abed means servant of, and the word Melech means king, which means that this man is insignificant in this text. He doesn't even have a name. He is only known by his purpose. His purpose is to be a servant of the king. But Abed-Melech understands something. What Abed-Melech understands is, is even though he's called To be a servant of this king, his job is to be the servant of the king of kings. Abedmelech understands that no matter what command he's given on this earth by any human person, that it ought not ever trump the word of God. And so Abedmelech stands up as someone who is faithful. And Abedmelech speaks up. God is calling a church to speak up in 2023. Though the heavens may fall and though things may be grappling around us, God is calling us to stand for the truth. And Abedmelech goes and listens to the king and gets 30 men under his rule to go and get Jeremiah. Let me tell you something. It doesn't take 30 men to get one brother out of a sister. I had a struggle with that text. That's why I made you repeat that thing when we were reading the scripture reading. Why in the world would you need 30 men to lift Jeremiah out of the cistern? I mean, no matter how heavy this brother was, and y- y'all, let me tell you, I used to be heavier. Y'all hear me, y'all. It don't take 30 people to lift one person up no matter what. Well, you got to ask the question. The question is, why in the world would you need 30 men? The reason why they needed 30 men to lift Jeremiah out of the cistern is because everyone's job was not the same. Everyone had a different function and a different purpose to pursue the mission. Are you all hearing me, y'all? Some people's job was to find the rope. Some people's job was to find the worn-out clothes and rags. Some people's job was to build a perimeter so that nobody stops them from lifting Jeremiah out of the cistern. Some people's job was to direct them where to lower stuff. Some people's job was to hold an iPhone flashlight just so that they made sure they were lifting the right brother. I y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying, y'all? Everybody had a different job, and a different function. And here is what I want to tell the Ypsilanti church today. That God's mission cannot be accomplished without you. That the mission of the church is never built around a Jeremiah That even though Jeremiah found himself in the cistern, that God's people were able to come together with the best that they had and they had to work together to fulfill God's purpose. And here is what I want to tell your church, that your church cannot be God's church and accomplish this last day message and this last day call and this last day mission without every single person in this church doing their job. The job is not just for the elders. The job is not just for the deacons. The job is not just for the ushers. But the job is not just for the youth leaders and the personal ministry leaders. But the job is for every single person in God's church. God needs total church involvement. And how many of y'all know that you don't need a title to serve? Some of the most important members of the church sometimes don't have a title. You know why? Because guess what? Let me tell you something. An army can't be successful with just generals. But you got to have people and troops on the ground doing their job. Man, it's beautiful when the visitation of the church is not dependent on the pastor or the elders, but you can do a visitation training. And now all the members on Sabbath afternoon are visiting members who haven't been here for a while, y'all. It's beautiful to see that when pastor has to go and do visitation at the hospital, that there is a prayer team. Maybe they don't have titles, but there are 13 people out in the waiting room holding hands and praying the blood of Jesus and God's healing power in that room when they do the surgery. It's beautiful to see when members are out in the community, and we're not like Jehovah Witnesses. We don't just work on Saturday, but we're out there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We're out there knocking on doors, sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. God needs total church involvement, and if Lake Region Conference is going to accomplish the mission of God's call all across our field, we can't do it with 77 pastors. We can't do it with 400 elders, but we've got to do it with all 31,000 members on our role in our field. God has a call. God has a purpose for every single member in the church. I remember joining the 7th Adventist Church and feeling small. Because when they had the first nominating committee report, I was 11 years old. And they had came out and told me I was nominated for a position. And I was excited because I thought they made me an elder at 11. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. I said, they're going to call me Elder Henry, Amen. I remember I got excited when the nominating committee called me. You know what they told me, man? They called me and told me I was going to be an usher in the church. I told them, go back to the y'all, y'all don't want to hear what I told them, y'all. I said, send the report back. Y'all hear what I'm saying, y'all? They had the nerves to make me an usher. But y'all know what I realized? Being an usher is one of the most important jobs in the church. And everybody can't do the job of an usher. Everybody ought not do the job of an usher. There are some people who will never make it into the sanctuary unless you have good ushers who smell good, look good, and know how to give a good, genuine, and sincere smile to welcome people to the church. Everybody, can, you got to be called to be an usher. Y'all say amen and amen again. There is no job too small in the church. My dad was somebody who was a janitor in the church. And his job was so important because if he didn't clean the church bathroom, the bathroom stunk. But his call, his job, his purpose was grounded in God. And he did it happy every single week. He did it so happy that somebody had to corner him and say, we don't work on Sabbath. My dad said, mind your business. (laughs) He was serving God. He said, I'm not working, but I'm serving. I'm giving my everything. There's a special call for those who serve food in the cafeteria who go and share God's love. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, y'all? There is no job too small. Actually, God doesn't have a hierarchy in the church. He has leaders, and they have a special responsibility. But nobody is higher than the other. They are all equal at the foot of the cross. We just have different responsibilities. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying, y'all. Yes, I believe we should respect our leaders. And love our leaders. But we respect their role and their call. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? It's not because they're higher and better and more articulate and more intelligent. Are y'all hear me, y'all? Some of the most brilliant elders I've seen don't even have degrees sometimes. They just love God. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? Why? Because I've learned something. It's not a status thing. It's a servant leadership thing. It's a loving God and loving people. Do I have a witness in this church, y'all? Are y'all hearing what God is saying to me? God can't accomplish His mission without every single one of you. You have to keep coming. You have to keep serving. I remember there was a day where I used to visit churches like I shopped for clothes. Are y'all, here? y'all not hearing me, y'all. I would look at the flyers to try to find out on Facebook. Uh, it wasn't Facebook back then. Y'all remember MySpace? I'm going to take it back. Y'all remember Hi- High Five? Some of y'all don't even remember that, y'all. I used to shop for the, for the best flyer with the best preacher coming into town to find the church. Then you know what I realized? God didn't plant me to be a church hopper. God planted me to be at a church to make a difference and be rooted in the DNA of that church and to serve those people and to impact that community. I had to become mature in my faith and say, yeah, from time to time, I do visit Federation Day. There ain't nothing wrong with that. But guess what? I want to be embedded in a church to make a difference. Do I have witness in this place, y'all? So here is Abed leading the people If Jeremiah stays in the cistern, the word dies in the cistern. But if they lift up Jeremiah from the cistern, they're going to lift the word out. Let me tell you something. As we prepare, as we prepare prayerfully for who your pastor is going to be one day soon. I came to speak this directly for this church. I believe that God knows who the next pastor is. I don't know, Elder Gabriel doesn't know, we haven't plotted or strategized, we simply praying. We're joining your church and seeking God's face. The one thing we know is, is that God's people cannot become the church when the pastor shows up. The pastor who comes must meet God's church as it is, serving faithfully. Are y'all hearing me? That's the first thing. Here is the second thing I want to tell you. We're not preparing to lift up a man, but we're preparing to support a man or a woman of God who's going to pastor this church. That means we're going to do our best to support. We're going to do our best to pray. Let me tell you something, pastors ain't perfect. I remember the church. I remember my, when I served in my previous conference, the church met with the president and told the pastor everything they wanted to see. And the truth is, is they didn't have a pastor because we don't think Jesus would have been qualified to pass that church. Are y'all hear me y'all? I definitely missed it by like 14 items. Are y'all hearing about 14 things? I said, "Oh, y'all got to find somebody else." Are y'all hear me y'all? But then I remember when I got there, man. I'm at the church that just they wanted to see the best in the pastor. So they ha- you got to have a standard. Amen. You got to have hopes. Y- y- y'all ought to have somebody who wants to work with young people. I used to be a conference youth I want someone who's going to go out and get the young people and play basketball with them. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? I want somebody who's going to sit with single parents at prayer meeting, or not at prayer meeting, but sit with single parents at parent-teacher conference when they have nobody else and support them. I want to see somebody who's out in the community. I want to see somebody who's early for church and not trickling in late. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? I want to see someone who doesn't just do stuff, but they really spend time in their prayer closet. And they're not just shaking off sermons from the archive that they preach at three churches in a row. And you can find it online. I want to find somebody who knows the members' names. You know how I know their names? Not because they're bad with names, but you really actually spend time praying over their names during the week. You ought to know their name eventually. I want to see somebody who's friendly and actually loves people. Loves people, man. I want to see somebody who's not treating the church like a McDonald's drive thru. You come to drop off a word and you can't hang out with the folk after church. You gone to your car and you're here next Sabbath. I want to just see a, a preacher. I want to see someone who pastors. I want to see someone who doesn't just do emergency visitation when someone's having surgery, but you're taking the membership role and every single day of the week, four days a week, you're out there visiting families. Not because something is wrong, but just because you want to check on them. I want to see those things. But you know what I realize? Even with those things, we are imperfect. We are not perfect. And we all have stuff we're working on in every season of ministry. You know what the goal Elder Gabriel said is when we move pastors? It's a beautiful thing he said, and I love sitting at his feet and learning from him. Because he's a man of experience, but he's also a man of integrity. You know what he said to me? He said to me, when we move pastors, it was something I never heard before. And I've worked for several conferences. He said, when we move pastors, it ought not just be for the growth of the church it ought to be also for the growth of the pastor. No matter how long that pastor has served, every single church they're moved to, they ought to grow too. We got to make sure that it is a situation good for the church and good for the pastor where they grow together in that marriage. That's a beautiful thing. And so church, I'm telling you, I don't know who your pastor's going to be. We're praying because we want to see Ipsy packed out. We want to see a second or third service. We want to see y'all so packed out that y'all got to move y'all service to the Marriott Ballroom right here at Eagle Crest by the golf course. Y'all not hearing me, y'all. We want to see that everybody knows who the Seventh-day Adventist church is out here. But we're going to make it happen together. Even now, I am admonishing this church. To lift up your future pastor in prayer. Just like they lifted Jeremiah out of the cistern. To start praying for your pastor. To start asking God to be with them. To start asking God to craft messages in their mind. To start working on their heart so they have enough love for every single person who comes into their midst. Not just the sheep that love them, but even the sheep that bite because sheep bite sometime. Are y'all with me, y'all? Because we're going to support and work with them. And guess what? I didn't always preach a message that always made everybody happy because I was like Jeremiah sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, you sure? God, can we push this down the calendar for two years from now? But when God gives you a word, and sometimes everybody has a different idea of what should be done and how it should be done and what way it should be done. But I told God, I said, listen. I said, God, I'm praying that I'm listening to your voice. And I want to have enough of a relationship with the people That they understand that, yes, I want to please God and please them. But if I can't please everyone, I want them to know my heart. Amen? When you got a relationship with people, that's a powerful thing. When people know you really love God and you really love the church and you really actually love them, people are willing to walk with you. And I'm challenging you that I believe you're going to get a pastor who's going to love God because that's what we're asking God for. We don't just want career men in this conference. We're done with that stuff. We don't don't, don't just need good preachers because God ain't coming back for just people who hear a good word from God. We want people who love God, who love the sheep, and who love the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Amen? Would you join me in seeking God's face? As she plays, can I share a closing story with y'all and take my seat? Y'all going to invite me back? Or was that too long for y'all? I remember asking God, how in the world did Jeremiah stay put? Because the truth is, is I would have tried to find a way to get out of that cistern. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying, y'all. Don't lock me up. I'm going to find a way out. Y'all hearing me, you Hello, so That's why I can't go to jail because y'all going to see my... Y'all, okay, I ain't saying nothing. Let me tell y'all something. I would have tried to find a way out of that cistern. I asked why did Jeremiah stay put where he was? And I want to tell y'all a quick story. I remember... When I was pastoring in my first district in Illinois Conference, I was pastoring the New Jerusalem Church in Kankakee, Illinois. And I remember when I finished doing an evangelistic meeting, I brought in a preacher named Dr. Nicardo Delahaye to do that meeting. And when Dr. Nicardo Delahaye preached that series, at the end of the week we had baptism. And I'm preparing to take the preacher to Chicago O'Hare Airport on Sunday morning, him and his wife Renee. And I said, Preacher, I said, are you ready? Your bags are packed by the door. You got a 2 p.m. flight. He said, Preacher, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. He said, I know we got to get to O'Hare two hours ahead of time at 12. I know it takes an hour to get to airport by 11. But he said, I think we still have time for breakfast. So I said, all right, Preacher. He, I said, where do you want to go for breakfast? Now, let me tell you something. There's only one place you go for breakfast on a Sunday morning, and that's Cracker Barrel. Y'all say amen. And so I took the preacher. Y'all have been to Cracker Barrel, y'all. So I took the preacher. Stop this first watch nonsense, y'all. It's Cracker Barrel, amen. So I took him to Cracker Barrel on Sunday morning, and we stepped inside, and I gave them my name at the little booth. And they said, all right, Abraham, we're going to let you know when your table is ready, party of four. And they gave me a little device that buzzes. They said, when your table is ready, this thing is going to start shaking and lighting up. So I got the little buzzing device. And I went out on the porch of Cracker Barrel and I sat down in the rocking chairs. Y'all ever sat in the rocking chairs? And y'all know by them rocking chairs, they got something called a checkerboard. Y'all, y'all ever play checkers outside the Cracker Barrel, y'all? And so I sat down inside the Cracker Barrel on the porch and I sat down with the preacher and I started to play checkers with the preacher. And as I started to play checkers with the preacher, his wife is standing behind him and my wife is standing behind me. And let me tell y'all, man, I got a master's degree in tra- trash talkingology. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? Because I believe that in the gift of trash-talking, because you got to get into someone's head if you're going to beat them. Are y'all hearing me, y'all? You tell them how you're going to beat them, when you're going to beat them, and what's going to be the consequences of when you beat them. Say amen, y'all. So I started trash-talking the preacher. And as I'm trash-talking the preacher, all I know is, is while we're sitting on the porch, it starts raining on the outside, so bad that everyone standing in the parking lot waiting for their buzzing device to buzz starts coming in on the porch and now everybody and their mama is watching us play this one game of checkers and now my wife starts poking me in my back telling me with all this trash talking you better win and so I'm I'm playing this game of checkers my wife is poking me in my back and I remember keeping my eyes open because I had to pray And I knew if I closed my eyes, he was going to start praying too. And God could only answer one prayer in that situation, y'all. Y'all hear me, y'all? You got to be smart. You got to watch and pray. Y'all hearing what I'm saying, y'all? So I was watching and praying. And so I'm watching and praying, God, I'm praying that you help me to win this game of checkers. And God, I'm praying in a special way that you be with all the red pieces that go across this board. Y'all hear me what I'm saying? I said, God, you caused me to be the head and the tail, in front and not behind, above and not beneath. Do I have a witness in this place, y'all? God could answer any size prayer. Y'all say Amen. And so I'm praying this prayer with my eyes open. And as I'm praying this prayer with my eyes open, I said amen very quietly. And as I'm playing this game of checkers, it don't look good, y'all. All All I know is, is y'all know checkers has 12 black pieces and 12 red pieces. And at this point in the game, when I finished saying amen, I only got three pieces left on the board. And this brother got nine pieces left on the board. He has the black pieces. I have the red pieces, and I'm sitting there quietly. I'm nodding my head. I'm scratching the little hair I have left on my head, and I'm trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to win this game of checkers. And within about six or seven minutes, I want you all to know the buzzing device starts to buzz. And as peacock proud as I was, I got up from that rocking chair. Are you all hearing me, y'all? And I walked with the kindest swagger you could have. And I swag my way over to my table and I'm smiling at the preacher and he looks angry and upset. And the reason why he looked angry and upset is because he started to ask me in front of his wife, Renee. He said, preach, what in the world just happened? I said, what do you mean? He said, how did you just win that game of checkers?" Yes, I won the game of checkers, y'all. He said, how did you just win that game of checkers just now? He said, man, we played for about 45 minutes. He said, you had the red pieces. I had the black pieces. He said, man, I had nine of your, I had nine pieces left. You only had three pieces left on the table. He said, man, you were losing and you were losing bad. He said, I was winning. He said, I had this game on lock, preacher. He said, Abe, how did you win this game of checkers? I said, preacher, you're right. You had the black pieces. You're right. You had nine pieces left on the board. I said, you sure are right. You were winning the game of checkers. But I said, there's one thing you missed in the game of checkers. He said, preach, what did I miss? I said, the entire time you had nine pieces the entire time you were trash talking back to me, the entire time you had the black pieces, the entire time your wife was cheering you on, what you miss is the entire time, I only had three pieces, I only had the black pieces, the entire time I was down, the one thing you missed is that I had a king in my corner. He said, you had a what? I said, I had a king in my corner. He said, what does that mean? I said, when you got a king in your corner, It doesn't matter how many pieces you lose on the board, you don't move like everybody else. You see, all the regular pieces move one by one, but the king on the checkerboard has a special superpower. The king on the checkerboard can hop over anything on the board and take whatever it wants when it wants in the game. And I came to Ipsy Church to tell you, That no matter what you've lost, no matter how bad things may look, no matter how rough life may seem, I came to tell you that we've got a special piece on life's board. And it's a king in our corner. And it has a superpower that it doesn't move like everyone and everything else. But the king in our corner can do whatever it wants, whenever it wants. And as long as you've got a king in your corner, God told me to tell you that you're gonna be all right. Do I have a witness in this place? I don't know about y'all. But I made it through life's worst circumstances, not because I was smart and agreed and had money, because I ain't have most of that stuff very long. But it was simply because in my life, I've always had a king in my corner. And if I have nothing else in life, if I've got a king in my corner, Elder Young... I'm going to be all right. If I've got a king in my corner at Elder Brazil. it don't matter how my grades look and how bad this semester has gone down. I've got a king in my corner. It doesn't matter what the doctor tells me on my report when they rule things out and the medication ain't working and what the results may say. I've got a king in my corner. When the money looks funny and the ends ain't meeting, I ain't got to worry about whether or not I got to prove for the mortgage or the loan, but I've got a king in my corner when my marriage is struggling and it seems like we're enemies and one is in the bedroom and one is on the couch I ain't gonna worry about having Dr. Phil in my life I've got a king in my corner I came to tell you that you've got a king in your corner and you're gonna be all right your family's got a king Your health has got a king. Your finances have got a king. And let me tell you something. Ypsilanti Church has a king in their corner. Your best days are ahead of you. Stand, let's pray. I never do these very long. Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us as decisions are made. I believe there is someone in the sound of my voice. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to hold this call long. But I believe there's someone in the sound of my voice who has heard God speak to them today. And today, you want to be a part of God's army. You want to be a part of lifting up the word using whatever gifts God has given you to help advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so God, we know that you need every single person in this church to advance the cause of Jesus Christ at Ypsilanti Church. And so Lord, I pray in a special way. God, we got to be in it to win it. So I believe that some in the sound of my voice, maybe you're not a baptized member of God's church, but you want to make the decision today. I would like to be a part of the next baptism. I would like Bible studies. I would like to study to show myself approval. I want to open up the word. I want to sit with elders or leaders in the church, and I want to study God's word because I want to be a member of the family of God. And if that's your desire, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you are so I know who I'm praying for. You want to make a decision to be a baptized member of God's church. You want Bible studies. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody else today? Is there anybody else today you want to make that decision to become a baptized member of God's church? We got one hand raised. Is there any other today? You want to make that decision. You want to be a part of the next baptism. Amen. Amen. I pray that there's someone taking down those those, those hands so they remember them. Amen. We have two hands raised. Is there anyone else today? You want to be a part of the family of God. You want to be a part of the next baptism. You want to have Bible studies so you're a part of the army of God, the family of God. Is there anybody else in the sound of my voice before we land this? Father in heaven, great is your faithfulness. God, thank you. God, while churches have closed their doors during the pandemic, Ypsilanti Church is still standing. Father, we thank you for the ministry of Jesus Christ here at this church. God, we thank you that the church is not a building. It's a people. It's the family of God. Father, thank you for being with this church during this season. And Father, we believe that you've got something special for this church. And so, God, as you are in the midst leading this process, God, lead like you never have before. God, I pray that you have your way and give us wisdom and give us collaboration. and, And Father, speak to us, speak to our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray in a special way that, God, the best days of this church are ahead of them. God, I pray that thousands of souls are won through this church. That community impact is made. That, God, negative statistics are brought on this community because of what is happening through these members. God, I pray that jobs and organizations and companies are impacted because your people have been dispatched to all different kinds of places. And, Father, I pray in a special way. God, there's someone who have found themselves in the cistern today. And, God, they need help getting out. They're in a situation that's bigger than their size. Father, I pray that you would send your children to huddle and circle and encompass this person so that they can have the support that they need while you help lift up their life. God, thank you for choosing a little old preacher like me. God, I would never even dream to have the responsibility you gave and God, I never take it lightly. God, I'm so humble to serve. God, all I ever wanted to do was to be a servant and a pastor. God, the rest was all you're doing. God, thank you for that opportunity to share a word from you. God, I pray that you always keep me true to share your word. And Father, I pray that when you come again, God, that you will come again for all of us on the clouds of glory, that we would be a part of that number that no man can number. Be with us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Let God's children say amen. Say amen again. Can we thank God for his word? Not me, but can we thank God for his word? God is faithful. Church family, thank you for having me. May God richly continue to bless you.